At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. The legends are true. But overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Donald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. With Nate and Danny on their all-star breaks, we're doing something a little different today. We're doing a flashback episode, going all the way back to November 2016. Kevin Pelton joined the show to talk with Nate about future Hall of Famers. The discussion's pretty interesting, even to start as they talk about established players, because these are the players we're seeing coming up for the Hall of Fame now. A lot of these same arguments are getting rehashed, and it's interesting to hear the context of where they stood now and even get a refresher on their cases. Some of these older players didn't change their their resumes too much in these last uh, six or seven years. But where it gets really interesting is later in the podcast when they talk about younger players, the players who have a chance to become Hall of Famers, who gets brought up, who doesn't, how they're discussed. It's uh, it's a lot of fun to get the, the glimpse of, of this moment in time. We hope you enjoy this different episode a little bit less micro here we're gonna go with something that's more macro talking about the nba hall of fame and kevin pelton is one of the best at researching the nba's past it knows it really well also has the statistical tools that a lot of us don't have to help measure these things so we're going to talk today about what present players who are still active in the league we think uh, should make the hall of fame and, and what their chances are how you doing man I'm doing well. Excited to uh, talk about uh, the the future. Yeah, I am too. We've never really discussed the Hall of Fame or who we think present Hall of Famers are. It's not ever something that's been as celebrated in basketball as it is in baseball, partially because the Basketball Hall of Fame is the Basketball Hall of Fame, not just the NBA Hall of Fame. Many have lamented that there is just no NBA Hall of Fame. John Hollinger once called it uh, sarcastically the Hall of College Coaches fame, <laughs> but because it's just like any college coach could can get in there if they stick around long enough but what i wanted to talk about with you first of all is like what do you think of a hall of famer as being like what is your criteria for whether someone should make it or not yeah this is interesting because you you put this on the rundown and i realized i haven't really ever thought about it to me it's always kind of relative to everything else and relative to who's in the hall of fame more than kind of a platonic ideal of what a hall of famer would be i guess yeah maybe that's the the case i i to me i just i want the guy and and this is very very subjective but i just want to watch a guy and be like hey i'm watching a hall of fame player right now you know the guy is just that good that he he is someone you're like oh well this is someone who has a transformative effect on the league he's he's around all the time we are in some respects in awe of his skills that's the the sort of player that you want to think about there i don't know that there's necessarily 
a statistical criteria. But I, to me, I, I started thinking about it and we can just kind of go back and forth on what we think this is and we probably won't agree. But I was thinking, all right, if you weren't at a very baseline, one of the best 20 players in the league for at least five seasons, you better have some amazing argument other than that uh, to be in. Yeah, I think that's pretty reasonable. I mean, uh, you know, maybe I, I I might go with top 15 for maybe a slightly shorter period of time because that that gets into the you know the all nba teams and i really think one of the interesting lessons we're going to talk about the uh the championships added method that i put together last year for espn's all-time nba rank to measure players historically and one of the lessons of that is really what moves the needle is the top five to ten guys it's the truly elite players have an impact on championships as opposed to even maybe the the guys 15 to 20 yeah, and I think that maybe that's even more to say if you were if you were never a top ten player in the league, you better have some amazing longevity or been on a ton of championship teams, had some huge moments, brought something stylistically to the game, perhaps because yeah, th- those are the players that we really think about. Where you're at least in the discussion for first team All NBA, you're maybe even in the MVP discussion. You think of a player maybe as a player who, if he had the right pieces around him, could be the best player on a championship team and now that seems rather stringent and it probably is more stringent than what there has been in the past in terms of players who've gotten it yeah i think particularly as you start to see kind of the veterans committee and you know some of these more distant players there's also been a lot of talk that uh since jerry colangelo took over the hall of fame that it's become much more inclusive that he wants you know a, a large number of players elected each year and to make it a celebration of players so we'll see whether those stand standards change over the the next five to ten years here yeah and I understand that because I think the NBA of all the leagues probably has the least uh, historical awareness in large part because the NBA, while the statistics are important, I think that maybe this is a league that has is more built just on highlights and watching players and transformative talents. And when you get back to an era that doesn't have video, maybe you don't appreciate those sorts of players as well. And the other thing about the NBA too is I think that this is stylistically, it has probably changed the most to me of any of the sports since, you know, say 1960, 1970. I would agree with that. I mean, I, we sort of touched on this when we did our uh, greatest teams of all time podcast a couple of summers ago or last summer. By the way, uh, you, that comment made me think, did you see the video that was making the rounds on Twitter yesterday of Bill Russell dunking over someone? No, I didn't see that one. Yeah, it was very impressive. It turns out that he might have been preposterously athletic. <laughs> so another way I, I looked at in preparing for this show was starting in, in 1970 or later. So players whose careers included the year 1970 or later. So that's basically the first year that we had a number of teams that was comparable to what it's been in the modern era over 20 teams especially when you include the aba there are 67 nba hall of famers whose career included 1970 or later and there's only two players in right now whose uh, career started later than 92 that's uh alan iverson and yao so it really seems like about two hall of famers per draft class is what we've been averaging so far and that i think is another way to think about it if you're looking at what the previous standard has been to say all right you know there are probably maybe 30 hall of famers at various stages of their 
their careers playing at any one time. And each draft is going to have, on average, maybe two Hall of Famers in it. So I actually went back and put some numbers to this in terms of... Oh, no. Of, what, what did I do wrong? No, no, no. <laughs> you, are, you are generally right. It's a little lower, I think. I think this will get higher. But uh, year by year, the most... I have this back to 1977. There were 34 Hall of Famers active that year, 30 in both 77, 78, and 79, 80. And then generally, if you go into the late 80s and early 90s, it's 28, 27, 29. Maybe add a couple of those guy, guys to those groups uh, eventually. But yeah, it does seem somewhere between 25 to 30 is how many and Hall of Famers we can expect from the NBA right now. All right. So, all right. I wasn't that far off. Thank you. <laughs> uh, well, do you, I guess, so that's kind of where it's been historically. Do you think just in what your own personal conception is of a Hall of Famer, would you ha- have the criteria changing or would you be more inclusive? Would you have it be more stringent? Because in any of these discussions, like with the MVP and some of these other awards that are voted upon by our media media brethren, or in the case of the Hall of Fame, a shadowy group uh, whose names we shall never know uh <laughs> it's uh there's going to be a difference between what we think sh- should happen and necessarily what uh, the public at large thinks should happen is there that much of a difference in your view i guess i would lean slightly more towards small hall than big hall but i again i think for the most part until other than you know again the veterans committees have started putting in some borderline candidates i think and then the last few years we've seen some guys voted in you know the the mitch richmonds of the world the joe dumars are probably pretty borderline candidates to me i could i could do without those guys being in the hall of fame but for the most part i think it's it's been pretty good once you deal with the fact that there are these nebulous criteria for that it's not just about someone's nba career we have you know going looking way back you have some guys who are elected primarily on the strength of their college career and then you also see guys that now that are getting in because they are international legends but don't necessarily have the nba credentials yeah i think that's true and then you have obviously all the contributors and coaches and stuff that that we're not really considering i think the biggest thing for me is probably just and this is true of, of likely all hall of fames they may be overrate the contributions of players who maybe you know were third or even fourth bananas sometimes on really good teams and maybe underrate the contributions of players who just were stuck in, in really miserable situations but at least the nba i think if you're really that transcendent if you're a kevin garnett type of player in minnesota let's say you just never left minnesota i guess and i guess the other thing too is there really are not many awesome players who didn't at least you know make it to a conference finals or a finals you know that's why like chris paul's career has been so unique for example but if you're really that good in the nba it's almost impossible for your team not to be at least like over 500 stop subtweeting the pelicans <laughs> but and then also i think we'll see maybe things change a little bit now with more advanced stats like someone like elton brand for example if he had not torn his achilles he might be someone where he would have been more of a, a borderline pick sean marion might be an, another guy and of course we're going to do present guys now but where there's a little bit more of an analytic understanding about those guys, whereas in their own time, they weren't necessarily considered that good. But the hope is now that as analytics and and as a a better understanding of players on off contributions and how players really contribute to winning outside of their box score stats becomes uh, more mainstream that among these current players, we don't necessarily have to adjust for that kind of a disconnect as much. That's interesting. I mean, who would you think of is the closest comparable to that sort of Marion or Brand type in the modern game, in the current game? 
Oh, let me scroll down the list here. I mean, my first the first name that came to mind for me was Draymond Green is maybe someone who's more yeah. appreciated than he would have been, you know, if we didn't have uh, a lot of plus minus data. But then again, he also was, you know, arguably the second best player on a team that won 73 games. So he probably was going to get his due either way. Yeah. And he's just getting started. And then there's also just the issue of longevity as well. You know, someone like Derek Rose will be a fascinating example when we talk about him. Um, but yeah, let's uh, some of the tools that we're going to look at to number of all star selections, although again, someone like Joe Johnson, for example, I think is like way overrated by that number of all NBA selections. We can talk about that a little bit when we go through some of these guys. Uh, my first group that I had here, and obviously, if you disagree on where these guys are, please feel free to uh, or move them around of players who I see as absolute locks at this moment, even if they basically never play another game. Uh, and so on that list i have dirk Nowitzki, Dwayne wade lebron james kevin durant chris paul mono ginobili Pau gasol and then maybe the only one i would have thought would get some controversy from that category would be steph curry would you say he would be in if he just suffered a career-ending injury tomorrow i would i actually wrote about this last year during that nba aforementioned all-time nba rank that basically just based on winning an mvp and being the best player on a championship team that i i kind of felt that pushed curry over the top and that was even before of course he had won the second unanimous mvp is we'll discuss probably more with derrick rose every single mvp who is eligible for the hall of fame is in the hall of fame and i don't think that that would change with steph even if uh, i prefer to think of it is uh he immediately decided to retire to uh i guess uh in this case be star on his uh wife's cooking show (laughs) (laughs) yeah and also you would have to throw into just the transformative effect that he's had on the game as well with his three-point shooting i I like to throw in a little bit extra for style points you know when we talked about the all-time nba rank i asked you and royce webb the question back in february of well let's say this guy provided something stylistically you know like an earl monroe type of guy where people really appreciated them and we were talking about just who is the best at that point but i think for the hall of fame which is in some ways a museum you get a little bit extra from my view where if you really had a huge effect on the game stylistically or or you know i mean you alan iverson for example would get a boost from me even you know i think he's still a hall of famer anyway and, and obviously he is now but uh he would get a boost from me even above where kind of his performance was because of that stylistic for the hall of fame if not necessarily just you know who's the best player those are slightly different discussions to me yeah is we're parsing among this group it was interesting so as i was preparing for this what i did was i put together a list of all the players who were eligible for the Hall of Fame and came into the league after the ABA-NBA merger and then put together where they ranked in terms of that championships added metric. Can you, For those who aren't familiar with it, can you briefly explain how you get there? Sure, yeah. Uh, the, so the championships added is based on kind of the relationship between, I use basketball reference win shares because that's a stat that they estimate going all the way back throughout NBA history as opposed to most advanced stats that utilize turnovers, things like that are only calculated back to about the ABA NBA merger. Uh, So the relationship between, you know, if you have a player with 10 win shares on your team, how likely are you to win the championship versus someone with 15 win shares? And so you get credit for that in the regular season. In the playoffs, you get credit for that based on, you know, the number of series your team won and the chances of winning the series based on having a player, you know, playing at that level. And then, uh, then the last component is an awards component where, again, if you have 
have the a player that gets a certain percentage of MVP votes or first team all NBA, what are your chances of winning a championship there? So all that kind of factors into this is kind of a career metric that uses uh, this kind of objective measure of championships to balance between longevity and peak performance and all of these things. All right. So, so you were, now that you explained that, you were going to make a, a point based on that metric. Yeah. So I looked at that and then also my wins above replacement player warp stat, which is just a, a regular, you know, kind of linear value based on the box score stat and looked at year by year what the chances were of very, like the regression of what the chances were of making the Hall of Fame based on where you were in that ranking. And then I put that together for all guys based on where they are currently. And, uh, the top four in that list among current players, number one, LeBron, who uh, I, this is might be a slight weakness in the math that scores with better than 100% chance of making the Hall of Fame. <laughs> it's actually 183. <laughs> Kevin Durant, who's the other one who's above 100. That surprised me a little bit, but he's just accumulated so much value so young that it would basically be unprecedented for him not to make it then dirk and chris paul three and four in that list yeah kd i mean he's been a top five player in the league basically for the uh, other than that season that he missed he's basically been a top five player in the league for six or seven seasons and that's there's not that many of those guys out there who can maintain that level for that long historically guys have primes that are you know two three four years maybe but the fact that yeah he was 21 22 and already Already a top five player it was pretty remarkable and, and lebron the same thing usually it's you're 24 you're 25 before you get there chris paul another guy who i think you know at 22 was basically probably should have won mvp that year man it is crazy to think that i've been working with helix sleep since 2015 and i think that's because my story with them seems to really resonate with listeners if you've never heard it before that was kind of the beginning of the direct-to-consumer boom and there was another very prominent mattress company at that time that was trying to convince you that mattresses were one size fits all they found the one formula the one mattress that was going to work for everyone my then girlfriend now wife and i ordered that mattress we ended up having to return it because hey guess what not everyone is the same and then she did some more research and found helix sleep we took their sleep quiz and we found a mattress that actually worked for us and our body types and now helix offers 20 unique mattresses everybody sleeps differently and helix mattresses are designed for specific sleep positions and field preferences hot or cold side sleeper back sleeper so take that helix sleep quiz find your perfect mattress in under two minutes and it's shipped straight to your door free of charge it's no risk because you really need to sleep on the mattress in your own home you're like well how should i order this if i can't sleep like yeah you're not going to learn anything by going to the mattress store and sleeping on the mattress where do i take my shoes off do i leave my shoes on but then my feet kind of hang off the bed because i don't want to put my shoes on the bed and is it weird that i'm laying here for more than 30 seconds you can't tell anything under those circumstances you might as well just order it get it sent to your house get that 100 night trial they're 10 to 15 year warranty depending on the model and there's never been a better time to try a helix sleep mattress because they are offering 20 percent off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners at helixsleep.com slash capspace easy remember slash capspace we talk about all the time here on the program that's helixsleep.com slash capspace this is their best offer yet i can attest to that since i've been working with them for nine years and it won't last long with helix better sleep starts now don't forget that slash capspace url to let them know that you came from us 
Man, I just love American Giant. Just an amazing clothing company. I was reminded again of how much I love it when I drove from California to Montana over the All-Star break. And you know what it's like when you're on a long road trip and it's cold, particularly when it starts off warm in the Bay and then we get into some really cold areas. You're like, well, I don't want to wear like my jacket in the car, but then I get out to fill gas. I'm going to be freezing. But the American Giant hoodie was perfect because despite being made out of a nice heavy material that'll keep you warm it's not too hot as well so i was able to wear it in the car not be too hot step out of the car and still be warm enough when i was filling up gas or going into a restaurant or something that i didn't feel like i needed my jacket even when it was cold outside these things are amazingly durable i proposed to my wife wearing an american giant hoodie in the grand canyon almost seven years ago i still own that same hoodie i still wear it constantly and american giant has since spread out into all sorts uh, of other types of clothing like their premium slub crew tee the no bs high-rise pant the slim roughneck pant featured in giant magazine issue two every american giant piece is made in america and designed to last no exceptions and it provides year-round comfort so find a closet staple for every part of your spring days at american-giant.com and get 20 percent off your first order when you use that finger code capspace at checkout you remember we talk about capspace all the time here on the program that's 20 percent off your first order at american-giant.com don't forget that cap space code to let them know you came from us Manu Ginobili and Paul Gasol, I had them in there as locks, mostly because of their international contribution as well. Would you have them as locks solely based on their NBA performance? Yeah, I was going to say that those are the two guys who, if you look at that measure, score the lowest out of this group. And they're both in the range where uh, Pau, it says 47% chance, Manu, 36% chance. I think that probably understates it a little bit. But Manu, when you look at the fact that he played relatively few minutes, you know, came to the league relatively late. In terms of compiling stats and counting stats, I don't. I think he would be borderline, despite the fact that he had these contributions to all these championship teams. And then Pau, I could see some people holding the, you know, that whole old hoary soft stereotype against him but uh, the fact that they did do what they did at the international level pushes them over the top I, I guess the one thing i'd say is there's one person you did not have in this group actually now that i look at it he might not have been on your list at all so you may have just uh forgotten him was uh paul pierce oh yeah uh, because i forgot that he's still active <laughs> <laughs> well he hasn't played a minute as yet so i guess technically on yeah, some no, level, he's, 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 he's he's clearly in uh yeah i i I did this just by going through all uh, everybody's rosters and uh i guess i just skimmed over the clippers i was like oh chris paul blake uh blake griffin and and forgot forgot that about pierce i almost forgot about vince carter too because he you know guys who are not playing uh, wait wait, not playing vince uh, carter is like what their second best player at this point their third best player yeah no i i I guess that i'm gonna be quiet now uh yeah you know gasol only four all nba team selections Two second team, two third team. Never, never really. I don't think was even in the discussion to be first team All NBA. And, and now in, in the two thousands, especially, there were some amazing power forwards in the league. That might have been the most stacked position as he was kind of making his way in the league. And in Memphis, that was somewhat of a backwater. Those teams are probably not remembered as well as they should be because they just never won a playoff game. But those are some high forties, fifty win teams that he was on at times in Memphis. And then he had uh, maybe a, a great performance 
in that game seven against the Celtics in 2010 when I think he had 19 points and 18 rebounds was the best player on the floor in that game and, and had enough of the heroics now if he never gets traded to the Lakers if he doesn't win a championship then maybe we're really kind of wondering uh, about whether he makes it or not and then Manu he as, as well not really that high up there in uh he only had two third team all nba selections in in his whole career and that was it uh but again you know there's the whole minutes thing coming off the bench uh if he has the same career and he's just on a team that's not didn't win four championships while he was on it probably we're not having this discussion about him but i think when you consider how prominent he's been in the nba for so long he's got to be a lock yeah, I would agree with all of that. So, uh, and Pierce obviously is in there as well. The next category that I had was basically the guys who I felt like are in their prime, are at the same type of level, perhaps maybe slightly below some of these guys uh, that we just talked about, but maybe even higher than others, but just are, are not quite at the point yet in their career where they've necessarily built up enough of a resume. But if they just do the what they've done in their careers for two, three more years, they're probably right in there as just, you know, first ballot hall of famers and i had uh russell westbrook james harden and blake griffin in, in that category blake i think we forget how good he was uh because of, of last year's issues but and again what the clippers are doing this year now that he's healthy i would quibble a little bit with blake i, I think the fact that he hasn't had the same kind of playoff you know i guess impact as those other two guys and uh you know the fact that he potentially could be someone who if his athleticism wanes quickly could be someone who peaks early i, I don't think he's I still think he's a little ways. He's got work to do. Well, I, I agree with you on that. And that's why I put in the caveat that two or three more years at the level that they had already been at. Blake has uh, two or, or three uh, all NBA second team selections and one third team. And he also, I think, was either second or third in MVP in, I can't remember what year it was, I think 2014, probably. Uh, I think it was third in MVP that year, which is something that count some for me as well and i think you just at forward when you're you've some of these power forwards in the early part of this decade aren't going to get a first team all nba selection because kevin durant and lebron james are there and they're just going to take those spots uh for, for the foreseeable uh well not the foreseeable future but certainly for like a five or six year period there so yeah i, I would be concerned that he's not going to play at that same level and, and that might be a, a reason why he wouldn't make it in but based on what he's done so far I mean, would you agree with me that if he does that for two or three more years, he should be in? Probably. I, I I would probably like to see three or four more years. I mean, the interesting comparison to me with him is a guy to whom he was often compared when he came into the league, Sean Kemp. And at the same age, also had five all-star selections at that point. Had, uh, let's see. I think Blake was way better than Kemp was, though. <sighs> Overall, I mean, Kemp had, like, an amazing, like, finals in 96. Like, Blake's never done anything like that. But, I don't know, I may be uh, having this argument with the wrong uh, Seattle-based person here. Yeah, you know, there's not, most guests on the podcast do not uh, have a photo of them, and Sean Kemp is their Facebook photo. But Kemp had three All-NBA second-team selections. <laughs> And I, you know, Blake has never really been as good by advanced stats as he is by per game stats. Well, advanced stats just in the box score metric because the the team has always been awesome on offense when he's played. Yeah, but uh, even, and, I don't think RPM he comes has come out as like a, a top ten player on a regular basis, has he? 
I don't know. I'd have to go back. And yeah, look. maybe that, maybe that's true. I, you know, what I was probably focusing on the most with Blake, and also you could throw in like the dunk contest win, uh, being a popular player, a popularly stylistic player, as, as something that gives him a little bit of a boost here. Uh, but that third in MVP, which I thought was relatively justified, and I think it was 2014. Um, that's a, like a level if you agree with that third mvp that sean kemp i don't think ever reads that's probably the biggest difference that i would see between those two guys yeah certainly other than as you mentioned the 96 finals i that that would be true so all right i i, I completely understand your concerns there and i do think that he is a risk with his injury concerns with the way he plays stylistically to drop off to where he's going to be more of a borderline case i i'd predict that he would eventually get in probably uh, unless you know they just uh, something happens where he doesn't play that much uh, anymore i mean if he gets another max contract and just still averages 20 a game for another few years which i think he will even if he's not as efficient because he just is capable of creating shots i, I think he'll get there so this next part uh actually i'm going to skip one because I, I think this is maybe more in the same vein i labeled this category as on the path where again they're younger but if they keep doing what they've been doing they're going to get there and the four that i had in there Kawhi leonard anthony davis kyrie irving and damian lillard what do you think of those yeah lillard to me is the one who's a little bit of a stretch there now part of what uh the the metric i'm looking at doesn't measure is what they've done so far in 2016-17 where it seems like lillard has reached a level even beyond where he was in the past i think the fact that you know he came into the league a little bit later than some of these other guys uh may may not have as much upside to explore potentially and then probably is not going to have the same kind of team success that these guys have with the yeah that's what i was going to get to davis yeah so he's he's the one who's debatable within this category yeah and it also doesn't seem like he's going to be traded which you might say you know ad would have more of a similar path to kg where he could get traded for norns because they're going to be like so bad that he at some point you think would want out of there but for lillard yeah i mean the, this blazers team is kind of locked in i was critical of that obviously we don't need to rehash that too much but it, it you'd think they'd be hard pressed to find a way to get to at least you know even a conference finals not to mention the nba finals and that is something that i think would hurt his candidacy overall despite the fact that i think you know he I have him as, you know, if not a top 10 player in the league these last couple of years, very, very close to that level. Yeah, so I might move him to the the group that we have coming later that's borderline if they keep it up. I, I think that's probably more where he fits in terms of, you know, uh, the, certainly the objective resume thus far. Kyrie is an interesting case because... You know, in his case, the the advanced metrics have probably not generally been as kind, particularly RPM because of his poor defensive rating. But when you look at his heroics in the the playoffs and in the finals last year, that already starts to give him a pretty strong case from that standpoint. Yeah, and he's going to be playing on a team. He's been now that's been to two finals. They're probably going to get to probably two more at least. You you would have to say he I think has looked like he's going to be still pretty good this year. He's got more room to improve voters aren't going to care that his defense isn't that good no one seems to care about that right now in the in the mainstream media and he also has shown the ability to turn that up at least slightly when it really counts in the playoffs so yeah i I would be very surprised that even if he just does what he's been doing right now it doesn't get any better and does that for three four more years i think we'll probably see him in there and he's also another guy is a very popular player that the hype machine has been going on him 
for a long time. I, mean, I remember that before the 13-14 season, before LeBron even got there, he was number seven in ESPN's NBA rank, which I, I love and I contribute to, and the formula has changed a little bit since then. But uh, that was uh, that that he was had reached that level in the popular conception, and then he also has had these moments where he just looks so unstoppable, and that leaves an indelible image in people's minds. And then that ridiculous shot that he hit over Steph Curry to basically win Cleveland the finals. Uh, all of that, I, I think it would be very surprising to me if, if you had to give me like odds that he makes it from here on out just based on what we think his performance would be i would put him at like you know 75 percent 80 percent or something at this point i might go a little lower than that but i'm probably just more conservative by nature the other thing you didn't mention in that is him winning at an olympic gold medal is a starting point guard which is something that could distinguish him from someone like lillard who has been kind of outside of that usa basketball path thus far yeah and Kawhi and ad i mean i i was i toyed even with putting Kawhi into like that russ harden blake griffin category as well just be but he's really this is only now his second year as like a dead bang superstar but he also won a finals mvp before that got started pretty early the spurs presumably will be in contention or, or pseudo contention at least for for most of his career so i i mean I, w- I would put him again you know as 70 75 type percent type of guy 80 percent unless you know injury i think is really the only thing that i could see is derailing him all right so these haven't been that interesting so far uh because i think they're all people who we have mostly good things to say about <laughs> now is a list of people who are late in their career that i think might be a little bit more controversial uh so start with chris bosh if we presume that it, uh his career unfortunately is over what do you think of his candidacy I think that he is going to get in without question. So as you mentioned earlier, one of the measures that typically typically predicts Hall of Fame voting pretty well is number of all-star appearances. Every eligible player with at least nine all-star appearances in the NBA is in the Hall of Fame. Chris Bosh has 11 of them. So now, that's, kind of, that's the mic drop right there. Yeah, no, I, I and we, we've talked about that. And I agree. I think he should be in. He sacrificed his own individual statistics by going to Miami. He was a key part of two championship teams, four straight finals appearances when he was there. And it's not like he was just a talentless third banana before that. He was clearly a top 10 player in the NBA that last season with the Raptors and had been making all-star teams well before he went to Miami. However, those 11 all-star appearances, and we'll get to this on some of the other guys too, uh, they are not as indicative of where he falls in the NBA hierarchy just because the East has been so bad. Chris Bosh, 11 all-star selections and only one all-NBA selection. And that was a second team. That's pretty remarkable that he's only made one all-NBA team in his career that surprises me i was just going to look that up and yeah i I would have expected more do you think that he it's weird because i feel like in some ways he didn't in the moment get enough credit for his role in miami and yet historically he might get it he might get that reward in terms of the hall of fame and things like that is that a fair assessment yeah i think that's probably right and he did in the moment he didn't you know he was viewed as hey you know he's soft he's just shooting jumpers blah blah blah. he's not creating his own offense the way he did in toronto he was like crying in the locker room when they lost the bulls during that that first season he's just more of a, a sensitive guy like not as self-promoting necessarily and i also think he just again from the way that the all nba team voting goes where you're not doing it by position with power forwards and small forwards you're not doing it uh with bigs and and wings so now he's another guy who you've got all these great wing players and with his game trying
trying to compare to guys like LeBron or KD, even you know Carmelo Anthony, guys who are scoring well over 20 points a game when he wasn't putting up the individual statistics. In Miami, it was more difficult. If he had been classified as a center during that time period, he probably would have you know four or five All NBA team selections, and that's him playing at center was part of what made those Miami teams, especially in their later years, so good. Yeah, uh, Basketball References Hall of Fame probability has him six among active players at 99.5%. So I think it's safe to say he he will get in ultimately. Anyone who's seen our YouTube videos knows that I don't wear formal stuff all the time. So when it's time to dress up rather than dress down, I highly recommend Inochino. They were the official outfitter of my wedding. I got my tux from there. All my groomsmen got their sport jackets from there as well. I felt really good about having them be the outfitter of my wedding because all my groomsmen were going to get stuff that they could continue to wear that fit them perfectly. Because when you go somewhere else, you're not going to get something that's made for you. So why not measure yourself in 10 minutes or visit a showroom rather than feeling like you're wearing somebody else's suit that they tried and failed to tailor for you. And not only does Indochino have the suits that made them famous, but now they've got everything. Blazers, pants, women's wear, outerwear, designed and made for you. Hundreds of high quality fabrics to choose from. European wools, linen, cottons, tons of colors, tons of patterns. You can customize things like the lapel, the vents, the pockets. And you'll get a piece that is personalized for you in fit and style. Level up your game with Indochino. Go to Indochino.com. Use the code CAPSPACE. Use the CAPSPACE. We talk about all the time here on the program. You get 10% off any purchase of $399 or more. That's 10% off at Indochino. I-N-D-O-C-H-I-N-O. Indochino.com. And don't forget that CAPSPACE code to let them know that you came from us. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So... No, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. All right, we're not necessarily going through an order here. This is just the order that I, I put him in. Darren Williams, what do you think of, of his potential candidacy? That one to me is is hard to see because I feel like the, the lasting memory of his career is going to be more the years in Brooklyn than the years in Utah. Yeah, that's... Uh, unfortunate and those utah teams even never made it or they did in in 07 but that was only just because the format was so ridiculous and and the mavs got upset back then when you just you know you had the highest you could be was a four seed if you were in the same division as the as the one seed back then Uh, but i mean if you think about his career so he was drafted in 05 it was kind of not really any good he had like an 11 pr or something his rookie year and then by his second year he was actually really good he was a took a team to the conference finals and probably from then until 2013 at least 2012 he was probably a a top five point guard in the league for a good like six or seven year period two olympic gold medals as well uh, during that time and and i think while i wouldn't put as much stock in being just getting a gold medal when you're on the fact that you're just on the u.s team and you're playing that just shows what your stature was in the game at that time i mean i think he was very clearly a top 15 player for about a six-year period there and there are many of those years where he was probably even in the top 10 and he wasn't he was never as good as Chris Paul like that argument was always a little bit overblown he was uh obviously was taking a pick ahead of him but certainly was no slouch and uh, you know I I think he probably deserves a little bit more credit than he's going to get if I had to guess I would say he's not going to make it uh, but I think he should get more of a look 
I would say to me, he's kind of a textbook hall of very good guy. He, his prime was good enough that if he had had a, a typical peak hall of fame for sure. But the fact that he has had a, a disappointing injury plagued uh, decline uh, phase as opposed to a typical one, I think rules him out to me. Yeah. And the fact that just those Brooklyn teams as well were so disappointing that, yeah, I mean, if he had just been in a gentle decline i think it's only 32 now where he hadn't basically just gone from very good player at the end of the 2013 to just being at best an average starter the very year after that that i think is probably going to hurt his candidacy and so but you in your own personal opinion you don't think he should make it or or you don't think he will make it i think neither yeah i would say okay marcus alt yeah, Gasol's an interesting one because he was so late blooming that uh, I, I think it's going to be difficult. He's going to need to to really stay at this level for another couple of years and have a great uh, you know run in his 30s to have a chance at it. Yeah, and he did miss uh, much of last year as well. The Defensive Player of the Year, I think in 2013, that helps him. Did have a first-team All-NBA selection, uh, although the center position, at least during that time, was down a little bit in terms of just guys who were really you know among like the top five best players in the league. There weren't really many of them that were centers during that that time period once Dwight Howard went back or receded from his peak also had a, an all-NBA second team selection and how many all-stars does he have I think two or three right yeah two so I agree I, I think now of course he's another one of these guys who gets the boost from international he has not actually won a major tournament for Spain I don't think he was on maybe was he on that 2006 world championship team he might have actually been now that I think about it uh and you know back when he had, had a little bit different of a body but you're right he got such a late start i would say if it weren't for the international stuff i would say he's in hall very good but just having been on a spain team that was the second best team in the world for really the last 10 years maybe that gives him enough of a bump to get there and uh i haven't liked that much what i've seen from him so far this year defensively i think that he could uh, fall off a little bit but he's still been pretty solid and he'll he's a guy who i think will at least play for a while if not be like awesome for a while on yeah i mean the health permitting derrick rose 2011 mvp and i think he only has three all-star selections to his name that i can recall and basically was done as a high level player uh, after 2012 when he was only 23 I have a hard time seeing it at this point. Again, a case where, you know, if you looked at this, I, I have this year by year because of the way that I, the format that I was doing. And at age 22, after, you know, in his year, in his age 22 season, I should say, after he'd won that MVP, uh, the method gives him a hundred percent chance of making the Hall of Fame, which makes sense because every MVP has made the Hall of Fame. But the, the injury completely changed the trajectory. And just, I think, above and beyond that, like now he's not going to be viewed, I I think in the same kind of tragic, you know, player cut down in his prime by injury way because of the fact that we're going to have such a long period of him being at this lower post-injury peak along with the uh, the the off the court stuff with the lawsuit he dealt with over this summer. I think all of that that makes it very difficult for him unless he uh, unexpectedly rebounds in play going forward. Yeah, and there's just been, in general have been some neg- negative headlines with him supposedly being healthy, not coming back for the 2013 playoffs, which I supported at the time but a lot of people don't necessarily think that way but yeah the 
fact that he wasn't if he had just been able to come back and kind of been like a fringe all-star every once in a while at any point in his career afterwards that would have been nice but he just and he looked like maybe he could like in 2015 he had some moments in the playoffs he looked like maybe after another year he might be able to get back to that and then just these last two years it looks like it's really just not going to happen he's never going to be efficient not good on defense his teams have disappointed so i mean that was the other thing was that those bulls teams continue to do well i mean if he could have just been the second best player on bulls teams that were making the playoffs every year that probably would have helped him too but now he's been traded they've moved beyond that so yeah i have to agree with you i i think he's probably not unfortunately going to deserve it even though he's aesthetically one of my top two or three favorite players of all time went back when he was healthy yeah it's, and uh it's just a lack of accumulation it's interesting so that championships added method still has him at a 44 percent chance because of the mvp but uh, since he, his advanced stats didn't live up to that by the the warp method he's at 15 percent. if he could even have like that one bernard king renaissance season that he had in like 1990 or whatever it was that wasn't even that good but he just was on a terrible bullets team and shot every time and averaged like 28 a game if he could have like one more year like that to change the storyline to where it's all right he's he's back you know isn't it so great that he's overcome all this stuff but he just has never been able to have that feel-good level of moment uh and so yeah i, I think he's about done uh in terms of his Hall of Fame chances, Dwight Howard. So Dwight, I think of this group to me is at probably the very top, maybe not the very top, but very close to it, at least in terms of, I think you could make the case that he belongs. I don't, I guess he doesn't quite belong in the locks right now group, but he, he should be has, to me. He should yeah, be, I mean, yeah, in my opinion, exactly. Uh, if again, if you do it by this method, he's got a better chance of making the Hall of Fame than either Dwayne Wade or Paul Pierce. Yeah. And obviously another guy who has suffered from some needed injury uh, or, or I'm sorry, who, who has suffered from injury and had a little bit shorter of an absolute dead bang peak than we might have expected although he's still an effective player and i think also if just last year in houston hadn't happened uh that would help and then of course some of the negative stories with changing free agents then spurning or spurning the lakers and and all that stuff we know the dwight mayor that kind of thing but the fact is this guy is five all nba first teams to his selection he was a top five player in the league i think and that was you know, it wasn't just like, oh, we don't have any centers. We better vote for him. Like he was actually a top five player in the league. Someone who I think should have been in the top five and MVP voting for a long. I mean, basically from 0708 to 1112, when he suffered that back injury, I think he was clearly one of the five best players in the league for, for that stretch. And, and then he's been productive at times other than that in his career too. Uh, and overall has eight all NBA team selections, five of which are first team. So there's no empty calories in that number either. And then all stars, I think he's, he's been, uh, probably has more of those than you would remember as well eight time yeah and looks likely yeah. i think at this point to to pick up a ninth this season yeah so i i i probably would have put him in the locks but i, I the only reason i didn't is because i think most people don't remember how good he was and it also for how long right you just think of him as oh he's good for a couple of years with the magic but actually no that was like five years yeah it's good to discuss him a little bit more than some of these other locks but uh, basketball reference does put him in that lock category 99.2 percent vince carter so vince carter you know i think the this was a couple years ago a a more controversial one, a more 
polarizing one. And I feel like the fact that he's continued to play at, you know, the, the last couple of years he was down, he really wasn't that helpful. But now again, as the oldest player in the league, he's a productive player. He's had this great second career as a role player after, you know, being a star. And the, you look at what he's accumulated statistically, it's really hard to make the case against him. He uh, He's already at 24,000 career points, has an outside chance if he plays long enough getting to 25,000. And everyone who's scored at least 21,000 who's eligible is in the Hall of Fame. I just don't see how he possibly could get left out. Yeah, I've always felt like he and Dominique Wilkins, aside from just the dunking, were pretty parallel to one another as well. Though I don't know that Vince had quite as long of a run as Dominique did as a dominating store score. Uh, also, all the dunking stuff that that dunk contest probably the best in game dunker of all time. Would you agree with that? Well, again, you're talking to a Sean Kemp fan, so so the answer is no. You think it's Sean Kemp? I I, I stick by my biased answer. <laughs> Man, I I got into it with some people a couple of years ago. Um, uh, when I actually made the argument that Blake Griffin was a better in-game dunker than Sean Kemp, and I, uh, I definitely got a lot, a lot of crap for that, but I think I, I will stand by that as well. I, I would go with Vince uh, personally, and a little troubling though. Only two All NBA team selections: one second team and one third team. He also had the his exit from Toronto, which I think really sullied him, and he has been able to come back from that. The other thing too is he had a, a really bad 2010 playoffs with the Magic, and if they had been able able to make the finals or, or win the championship that year they remember they were really by advanced metrics the best team in basketball that year and then they got upset by the celtics uh after the celtics that also upset the Cavs that year uh if he makes it to that finals and performs okay then i think he has a much better concession in, in people's minds i expect it to be like because i usually reject these all the, like all the like oh this guy's an asshole kind of things about like why you shouldn't be in the hall of fame uh, but only two all nba first team selections makes it a little dicier for me if it weren't for all of the the dunking and the off the court stuff and the ridiculous longevity it might be a tough call for me but i think he probably would have to get in uh, ultimately yeah also eight all eight time all-star so that historically I, I was gonna say that he's a little bit comparable to reggie miller in terms of stronger on longevity than peak miller only had three all nba appearances all of them third team miller actually made fewer all-star games he only yeah but five. reggie had all but, those clutch moments yes though. that's the difference yeah uh so so you you say he probably is going to get in. I mean, I guess he he wills. I mean, that number of points too is pretty gargantuan. Uh, Carmelo Anthony. I it's hard for me to see him not getting in. Just he, when you think of your conception of what a Hall of Famer is, Carmelo Anthony, I think fits that for for better or for worse. Well, when you say for better or for worse, what's the for worse? <laughs> uh, that it's Hall of Fame and not necessarily Hall of Winning Basketball. Well, when you consider his USA basketball basketball contribution which by the way i think is completely overblown i mean the, the fact that he has been willing to do it i appreciate that but he wasn't even in the top five best players on any of those teams except maybe the 06 team that ended up losing uh so i i think that that holding always oh, the greatest player in usa basketball history like no that is absolutely not correct you could at least be one of the best players on one of those teams not to mention all of them so no it would be uh, to me it would be lebron james or maybe even kevin durant as well if he plays in another olympics if you want to count the, the 2010 world championships he was the best player on that team uh 2012 olympics durant was uh probably the second 
second best player and then he was the best player on this 2016 olympics team whereas carmelo i think it was, actually was probably even a negative at this point on this olympics team but that's getting a little far afield but i had to rail against that because <laughs> i thought like everyone's saying that like no sorry that's not true he has six all nba selections two second team four third team again at a very difficult position in a very difficult time i was he like third fourth in the mvp in in that 2013 season with the knicks something like that sounds right uh but never really f- remotely factored into that uh, discussion other than that and, and it's not he's made one conference finals in his career another thing that you might have to say is a negative but yeah I, I think and he's made a bunch of all-star teams he he's famous he scores a lot of points per game he played in new york and he's gonna make it but i, I it would be borderline ish for me because i don't there's maybe been like one season where i would have considered him uh, one or two seasons that i would have considered him a top 10 player that's that's reasonable and, and he's one who's not going to fare as well i don't think his advanced stats probably gain prominence but you know he's already scored over 2000 more career points than the highest scoring eligible player who's not in the hall of fame and you know he's he's currently 32 so i i, I like his chances of making it in here but uh, by the way to pause here do you know who the two players are who have over 20000 points who are eligible and not in the hall of fame or actually, it oh, might only be no. one. I'm not sure if the second guy is Let, quite eligible yet. Let's get back to this. Let me think on this All the right. next time you're talking because I don't want to delay everybody while I just try to try to rack my brain. Okay, uh, there's only one. The second yeah. one retired in 2014, so he's not eligible yet. But he, he it's safe to say, is not getting in. Um, yeah, over twenty thousand. We we actually played this trivia game last night, and I I took me several guesses to get it. <laughs> Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So. No, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. All right, let me think on it while you talk about LaMarcus Aldridge. Yeah, that's one I think he needs. I think he needs the Spurs to win a championship realistically to make it. He's going to have a bunch of all star appearances to his credit. He's already at five, which is more or less the median number for a Hall of Famer. If you have five all star appearances, historically, it's about a 50 50 chance that you're going to make the Hall of Fame. Uh, is going to put up, compile some pretty good statistics in, in terms of scoring, but has never really been a probably a top 10 guy or had much impact on on the postseason and all of that i think is going to make it very difficult for him yeah never been past the, the second round also not playing that well this year which is a little bit of a concern when you look at what he's going to do going forward and i wonder if he eventually is going to have to transition into that big man off the bench offense role because he's going to get to the point pretty soon where he doesn't defend the center or power forward position well enough maybe to be a starter so that could be coming a year or two from now and also there are the rumblings that he's unhappy in san antonio and they could move him and if they do that and he goes somewhere that's less relevant you have to imagine i mean if he makes another all-star team this year then i think maybe you start to think about it but i would say he probably ends up in hall of very good and he's he does worse by the individual box score advanced stats because he wasn't that efficient but those offenses that he was on in 
Portland were always pretty solid as well. And maybe if Brandon Roy doesn't suffer the injury that he suffers and, and Greg Oden doesn't, and they were just good for a long time the way it looked like they might be uh, in those late 2000s, we're writing a different story about him too. The comparison that just popped into my head is that I think Aldridge's case is going to end up being like Pau Gasol's case if A, he hadn't won a championship with or multiple championships with the Lakers, and B, he didn't have the international success that Pau Gasol had. And in that case, I think Pau would probably be out, and that's why I think Aldridge probably will be as well. Yeah, that's actually an interesting comparison. I, I like that one. It, it, um, the, the, the fact that he wasn't going to be good enough to defend either front court position made me think of that because that hasn't stopped Pau Gasol <laughs> from starting for many years. Well, Powell at least will like block some shots yeah. so you can kind of and he'll he'll get a lot of rebounds so you can talk yourself into it if you're not paying that much attention that he's still like decent defensively on the boards and I don't think that Aldridge is necessarily going to have that going for him. Uh, all right, last guy in this category, Tony Parker. Yeah, Parker, I think, is probably going to end up making it. Um, you know, Hard to imagine he doesn't. He's a, at six all-star appearances. Uh, doubt he will be adding to that in the future. But, uh, you know, the the championship... Well, no, you know, there, what if, like, the all-star game is in San Antonio and there's a huge snowstorm in San Antonio that prevents everybody from getting in? And so he just happens to be there and the commissioner just names him to the team like they do with Jason Kidd. That's, that's about the most likely way I I could see him being an all-star at this point a huge snowstorm in san antonio <laughs> well that is certainly a creative possibility but yeah. <laughs> uh four all nba teams for him two uh, i'm sorry three second team one third team and also he, he for whatever reason i never bought this but like guys like chuck on like the, the nba uh tnt studio show would say things like tony parker is the best point guard in basketball i don't think that was ever even close to being true but i think a lot of people actually had that conception just because he was the point guard on a winning team also has that finals mvp in 2007 he's gonna have i mean be basically he, he might be pretty close to over whatever his career is gonna end up being maybe having like one of the best winning percentages of any player who played like that number of years so and he was known as well as like one of the three key guys on those spurs teams even and i think with all that and the international stuff too he's won a couple of euro baskets i think had a, always tries to play for france everyone loves that so yeah i think he's very clearly gonna make it i toyed with even putting him in the lock category already yeah basketball reference has him at 94 percent, so pretty close to a lock at that point oh who's the answer to that trivia question by the way i've, I've actually been paying attention to what you've been saying instead thinking about it the answer to that trivia question is tom chambers tom chambers and the other one with twenty thousand, who's almost certainly not going to make it in is anton jameson yeah almost certainly indeed tom chambers and anton jameson and someday <laughs> someday at anton jameson's hall of fame induction they will play this clip and laugh <laughs> Well, he did have a good college career. He was, uh, you get some credit there. Uh, all right. This is one that I really thought was interesting. I put him in his own separate category. I didn't even know what to put him in. Kevin Love. Yeah. And I, I, when we were talking earlier about the guys who advanced stats is going to give them, are going to give them a better chance now than they would have, you know, had they played in the early 2000s or in the 90s. Kevin Love was the other guy I thought of because, you know, he has continued to rate very well in Cleveland, even as he's been completely maligned for, you know, being such a poor, poor fit for that rest of that Cavaliers team. He's now got this moment that, uh, you know, is a defining moment in terms of the stop against Steph Curry 
at game in game seven of one of the biggest finals games of all time to win a championship. So, you know, I think if he has another couple of good years where he makes the all-star team because he no longer has that same sort of stigma that he's had the last couple of years, then I think he, he definitely could make it in. By the way, as an aside, going into game seven, I think I made the comment that it seemed like the biggest NBA game ever, like going into the game. Like it seemed like it had the highest stakes of any NBA game ever. Do you feel that way now, uh, or or did you feel that way at the time? And then looking back on it, do you feel that way? Well, I think we agreed on this when we had dinner the night before that game. So yes, but uh, now it seems like the stakes were actually even bigger, and we because we that's didn't right. Know yeah, the, the Durant, Durant thing, right? Yeah, Durant's decision was going to hinge on it. So I, I think it's even more clear at this point. Also, the chance for the Cavaliers to to visit the White House is the uh, the last team to get into the White House before the regime change all of that on the line with that that night <laughs> yeah that was I mean, and obviously it was a great game too uh but yeah for going back to love he did have that 26 and 10 season in minnesota he had he played on one world championship team and, and then one olympic team and uh, maybe would have played on on another world championship team if he had, had not been uh dealing with his thing of getting traded to cleveland I and mean, where would you say like right now where do you think he ranks in the league like you know if you're just your own voting for like ESPN's NBA rank like where would you have him you know without looking at it closely probably somewhere around 20th to 25th I mean I think he's in that point at that point where to me he's probably clearly an all-star in the east but not really an all-nba well I guess I did I think I did maybe put him on my all-nba third team last year so maybe I'm underrating him a little bit now I mean as an RPM he still ranks in the top 10 I think both of these or, or at least if not top 10 close to it both of these years with Cleveland but I mean if we look at it going back to that criteria I established at the beginning you know if you one of the 20 best players in the league for five seasons I don't know that he he meets that necessarily and certainly to have a, a year when he was top 10 he's probably maybe had like one year you know that 13 14 when he averaged 26 and 12 where he necessarily would have been fairly in that discussion maybe maybe 11 12 to he was pretty good and then he missed all of uh 12 13 really with that hand injury so yeah it's it's dicey to me if he had just played this way and he didn't win a championship last year and he's not gonna you know be on this team that's probably gonna get to two more finals i would say probably no i think he may make it i don't know that i personally would think that he should make it though yeah i think that's that's fair i mean in some cases he's like the bizarro elton brand i guess well and also like uh, i mean this is uh, i don't think that this is going to enter into anybody's thinking at least not explicitly but I mean, are there any other white American players who we can even think about being close to the Hall of Fame right now who are still active? Uh, no, You're I don't think so. One, right? Yeah. I mean, I've got Gordon Hayward on my Hall of Good list. He's not going to make the Hall of Fame unless like the Jazz just go crazy these next few years. So, yeah, that I mean, that might be another little thing that could uh, pop up in a voter's mind subconsciously, if not uh, consciously. But I probably I think unless he if it, like if he started hitting like actually hitting 40 percent of his threes every year instead of hitting like 36 percent, then I might kind of change my tune a little bit. And also, I think he's someone who I, I don't see him aging incredibly well. And he's already, I think, going to turn 28 this year. I think he's got maybe one or two years left, even at this level. And that this level, the last couple of years has not been that great to me uh and, and if they and especially if they don't win the championship last year then i think we're that's something that would have pushed this discussion toward the negative too yeah i would agree with that was he was was he in the top 100 of all-time nba rank 
I want to say he was. He was like 95th or something. I think he was. He actually, I think, was rated in that one a lot higher than I, I think the, the championships added had him, which is odd given that he's probably underrated at this point. All right. The next category I had was borderline if they keep it up. And I just to get an idea of what we're thinking of with this, I'm going to actually name all all six of them at once. Jimmy Butler, Paul George, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, DeMarcus Cousins, John Wall. Yeah, I think- Is there anyone you would add to that list? Is there anyone I would add to that list? I mean, I think the one guy who maybe could be considered, the the one guy who came out surprisingly well by this method was Andre Drummond because of the fact that he's already racked up 44 warp by his age 22 season. Uh, this method said he gave him a 54% chance of making the Hall of Fame, which yeah, I think and, is... And an all-star at 22 as well. Yeah, I, I went looking at all-stars at 22 and it's not as overwhelmingly predictive as you might imagine. But, uh, you know, he's certainly... The question with Drummond I guess is does he continue to improve from here or because of the fact that his game is so dependent on his otherworldly athleticism is this close to his peak and maybe even he peaks early yeah I had him in the have the potential group just because I felt like he's a little bit younger than some of those guys that I've mentioned I mean these guys at least have are kind of in their mid-20s but have at least two seasons of all-star level of play to back up and and I think of those six guys that I named who do you think has the best chance of making the hall of fame i would say paul well either george or clay i I guess would say i would say george is another one who comes out much better by this method than you would think he's a little bit ahead of some of these these other guys at about 38 percent um clay i think you know just the visibility of being one of the three now it was before two or three now three or four best players on a championship team for a long period of time seems like his game is going to age extraordinarily well because of his shooting ability and his size that i think differentiates him a little bit from someone like draymond green who in my opinion is the much more valuable player right now but you know i'm not sure he's seen that way and i'm not sure he's going to have the same kind of longevity that clay will well and clay had some of those iconic moments too in the playoffs that game that he played at oklahoma city in that game six again you know another one of these huge historical games and just how incredibly hot he was able to get it uh i think it is something that's going to resonate whereas green doesn't you know if, if green if they had actually won that game and green had hit six out of eight threes and scored 32 points and been the only one to play well in game seven maybe it might be a little bit different for him but yeah i don't think he's going to age quite as well as clay is either he did make all nba second team last year uh paul george actually has three all nba third teams to his name so far i think he also is going to benefit historically from the weak east same thing mm-hmm. with john wall maybe jimmy butler as well where those guys are probably going to just be on the all-star team for the foreseeable future unless they get hurt because they're just aren't as many good players in the east as in the west and it's been that way for i don't know 15 years now yeah butler i think the challenge to him is the fact that he started so much older effectively than these guys i mean his uh, first all-star appearance was what age 25 26 or 25 so yeah i think he's got two now and he's playing better this year though if he gets to and also it doesn't look like he's going to have much in the way of team success which i think is going to be a problem it's hard to imagine the bulls getting into the conference finals as they're currently constituted right now uh much less overtaking the Cavs so that's gonna be an issue if I had to guess if I had to guess on these guys 
I would say George and Thompson are in. I would put John Wall probably as next on that list. Uh, And then maybe Cousins probably last unless he gets traded somewhere and they do really well. Um, I mean, I think Cousins might be the most talented player actually on on this list, but we all know what the issues have been with him in in Sacramento. But yeah, I would say I would put Paul George at the top of this list right now. Yeah, I think that's reasonable. I mean, Cousins is fascinating. You know, Bill James has made the point with the Baseball Hall of Fame that, you know, eventually all of the other stuff fades and you're left with the numbers. And in that case, that could benefit Cousins because came into the league so young, has put up these prodigious stats. He could put up some remarkable totals, I think, by the time it's all said and done. So, you know, he's someone who maybe in 2000, 2060, uh, when people kind of forget about some of the stories of his uh, his locker room leadership and his technicals and all of that, then maybe he, he starts to look like a more attractive kid at it. Yeah, I wouldn't, I would say that basketball skews less in that direction than baseball, just because, again, there's, I think, much more pressure on individual basketball players to win that and because in fact like if you're really that great of a player you should have more team success whereas baseball you know you're only one ninth of the equation um so and if he just never has like any type of winning at all like i mean even like a dominique wilkins got to like you know made the playoffs regularly i think he got to the second round a time or two uh you know had that that duel with larry bird in uh, game seven of the 88 semifinals you know if cousins like never is even making the playoffs then you it would have to start to wonder a little bit i think too if golden state wins two more championships you'd have to imagine that thompson and green probably get in i mean especially if they make it to four straight finals um but yeah again i I think george is the best out of this group reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest but let me play devil's advocate here let's see so no that's a good thing Uh, (laughs) that's definitely not a problem Uh, reese's you did it you stumped this charming devil At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Hall of Good. I don't know that we need to spend that much time on these guys, but is there anyone on this list that you disagreed with me with where you felt like uh, they should be higher than I'm giving them credit for? Well, should we should we read off the list? Yeah, all right. Uh, Joe Johnson, I, we'll do him five at a time because it's hard to remember Like when you read out like 15 people in a row. So here's my first five on this list, uh, not in any particular order. Joe Johnson, Isaiah Thomas, Paul Millsap, Al Horford, Kemba Walker. This does seem to be sort of alphabetical by team, but not not really. Yeah, Joe Johnson is <laughs> is obviously a fascinating one because of the fact that when we talk about what usually qualifies you for all-star or for hall of fame he is going to hit all of that in terms of his career scoring he's currently at let me see if i can find him here he's currently at 19,434 points he's going to blow past 20,000 in all certain in all likelihood he's got eight or seven seven time all-star joe johnson as we well know uh only one eligible player with seven all-star appearances has not been selected that being jack sigma get jack sigma to the hall of fame more sonics honorism for me and so you consider all of that it seems like joe johnson probably will get there and be completely undeserving of it 
I agree. And this is all an artifact of just the East not having anyone good when he was there. He has one all NBA third team selection to his name. There has never been a point in his entire career that I would say he was a top 20 player in the league. Maybe even, I don't know if he was even ever a top 30 player in the league and, you know, wasn't particularly efficient, was the face of some Hawks teams, but I think he's only ever made it to one conference finals. And that was with Phoenix back in 05, which maybe they would have won if he hadn't broken his face in the second round that year is something that people don't ever talk about that much for a team that i think was one of the maybe the most fun team ever that 05 suns team um but yeah I, I think he's just you know he wasn't ever really that great on defense yeah he he should not get in in my opinion and he also really was part of some disappointing brooklyn teams as well where if he had actually been as good as people thought he should be those teams would have been a lot better than they were yep i think that's all the case um so from that group you know i don't know if anyone else really stands out i think horford probably has the best chance from that group if he you know if he play, is a big part of boston teams that are successful Millsap started so late that it's hard to see isaiah thomas may not age that well and uh you know kemba walker probably too early to tell with him yeah al horford four all-star selections maybe he gets another one this year though boston hasn't started that well so that might not happen for him this year and he's, he's missed some time that always shapes the narrative early in the season for all-star selections yeah i would say horford might be higher i don't know again if he would deserve it either all right here's another interesting list here rajon rondo david west andre guadala mike conley zach randolph so I think to me, the most interesting of that group are Rondo and Iguodala. Iguodala, you know, the finals MVP uh, helps him substantially. He actually was a much better player, I think, than most people realized for most of his career. And then that's sort of been balanced out by the fact that now as he's not as good, he's become more prominent as part of a championship team in Golden State. I still think he probably is Hall of Very Good, but, you know, there's a scenario, I think, where you could see him end up in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, Hall of Very Good for me. One all-star selection, no all-NBA team selections. Certainly an underrated player, but again, I don't know, even with the fact that he once was awesome on defense and, and not someone I ever would have put at any point in the top 20 players of the league. So how how often do you think Rondo is one of the top 20 players in the league? Never. <laughs> He has one one All NBA appearance. Um, and, and yeah, he his oh nine his twenty ten. Th- those are pretty good. He, certainly in the playoffs, he had moments where he might have been a top twenty player in the playoffs. But just his lack of shooting was so damaging. And those Celtics offenses, when he became more prominently involved, they got worse. They had some good offensive players on that team. They never were good on offense. And then. Uh, he had that ACL injury in, uh, I think it was 2012-13, and basically uh, was never really the same after that defensively. And and he just, he's not only as he, when you say it, was he a top 20 player in the league? Maybe he had one year that, that way. We're talking about five as a standard. And now after basically age 28, he's been one of the more, like maybe one of the worst starters in the league since that time. Like he's not even been an average player after that. Right. Yeah. He would have needed a pretty good post prize to uh, be a hall of fame contender and instead he's gotten a miserable one all right so david west zach randolph not feeling any of those guys at all those are all those are all to me textbook call it very good yeah i I agree deandre jordan brooke lopez gordon hayward kyle lowry demar derozan so 
Kyle Lowry is an interesting one to me because, you know, when you mentioned the number of years where you're a top 20 guy, to me, you know, since his first season in Toronto, he's been at that level. He was probably a top 10 player in the league last year. Uh, I think all of that has to give him some sort of consideration. Yeah, he is now, I think he started two All-Star games in a row now as well, which Again, it's the East, but and some of his competition, Wall and Irving, were injured during those years, and that that was all the competition he had is also. I think again, it's going to be Hall very good, especially because he didn't really have that first top twenty year until maybe twenty seven or twenty eight late bloomer, as you always like to say. Point guards are late bloomers. He's still playing pretty well this year, but I think we all accept him to to take a step back now as he's in his early thirties. So yeah, I mean, unless those, those Raptors teams make it to like three or four conference finals in a row which doesn't seem too likely to me uh and, and he's one of the two best players I, I don't see it and then DeRozan hasn't been anywhere close to a top 20 player in the league until this year we'll see how he does the rest of the year I, I've got to look a little bit more closely into what uh how he's doing it this year and whether that's likely to sustain my gut feeling is that it probably won't but you know if he keeps if he averages 30 a game for the next three years then we can start to talk about it but uh not until then i I actually did some research on this for our discussion on nba lockdown this morning and i didn't get to use this one stat so can i trot it out for you please if derozan was shooting with the same accuracy he shot from the basketballreference.com shot locations last year with his shot selection from this year, you'd expect his effective field goal percentage to be 43.6%. He's actually shooting an effective 53.4%. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, it, I don't necessarily expect that to continue. All right, let's get to the young guys. This, in many ways, is the most interesting part of it. I, I have one category of on the path again, and that's Carl Towns, just because I think we believe in his potential so much. And you think, all right, if this guy just does what we expect, him to do for the rest of, of his career he will make it no problem yeah i mean he's so young that's really hard to say but on the path is probably the best way to put it in terms of based on what he could have done so far he's done that and i you know like i said earlier i might put andre drummond in that group as well yeah you can uh, leave drummond out of that part for me too especially with the free throw shooting and and i also don't believe nearly as much in the ceiling of this Detroit team as I do that Minnesota team. So I, I think Towns just has much more potential for success. I mean, obviously, we're not comparing Towns and Drummond. That's that's apples and oranges. But yeah, for, for Drummond, you know, I, I think, I mean, could you see him being a top 20 player in the league or ever a top 10 player in the league? I guess there's a way you could get there. Yeah, I with think his so. Physical gifts. Yeah. I mean, maybe he could turn into Dwight Howard. Like maybe that's possible. But he's he's behind where Howard was at this age now already. Yeah, he's he's substantially less skilled, I would say. Yeah. And 55% free throw shooting versus 35% free throw shooting is also a pretty substantial difference. Uh, so if the NBA actually effectively outlawed Hackashack, that might help his value as well. Yeah, it would. But uh, they haven't been doing it that much this year. It's also just it's hard to be efficient when you're shooting 35 percent you know at least if you're shooting 55 percent that's like you know good a good two-point field goal percentage right miles turner uh i i mean i would put his chances of being pretty low he seems more destined for like hall of very good than than great i mean i would say with you know anyone who's so young with the maybe the possible exception of towns like there's a wide enough error term in either way that it certainly could include hall of fame but it also might include never being all that good not even getting to the hall of very good 
bed. Yeah, I think that's right. He was probably the shakiest inclusion uh, on this list to me. I might have put him down in kind of the longer shots among young players list that we'll get to. Uh, so here, I, I'm going to give you six names. Maybe we'll put them in order of chances of making the Hall of Fame, just in our subjective opinion. Okay. Kristaps Porzingis. Andrew Wiggins, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Jabari Parker, Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons. So I would say that I have Giannis probably at the top of this list. I think you think he's the best player of those guys right now. I think that's probably true. Yeah, and uh, you know he's he's still so young, and he's going to he's the guy of that group. I think who has the best chance of becoming an All Star this year and kind of starting that clock. Yeah, maybe if Minnesota turns it around, that could be Wiggins. I mean, he did have forty seven the other day, still not doing anything else in the box score other than scoring, which is a concern. Although you know, and you wrote about this a little bit in your Parker versus Wiggins piece remember how everyone was like oh that 2014 draft was gonna be transformational and now oh they suck all of a sudden yeah wiggins parker and Embiid actually looking like a pretty damn good top three in that draft all of a sudden now yeah that's part of why we wanted to revisit it is like uh you know it seems like a good time to do it now uh Embiid is just such a wild card i mean i still might have him towards the bottom of this list because yeah. well let's assume he doesn't get injured again then then where would you have I mean, he his stats. Like, I, I one of the things I did yesterday. It's a circus right now. What he's doing? Yeah, one of the things I did in preparation for this was put together like the, what I need to th- run guys through Shaney with this season stats. So if you do Embiid's without the regression to the mean factor that I normally use with Shaney, if you just look <laughs> at what he's done so far, the closest <laughs> comparison I believe was Tim Duncan, but nobody who had like a similarity score of better than eighty five. Oh, nobody else had a forty percent usage Weirdly rate as no. a center and like. Like enormous turnover rates, you know, all, all of this. I, it's just, it's incredible. Yeah. I mean, it just like in both good and, and weird ways of like this minutes limit, the fact that they're force feeding him, the fact that they have nobody else, the fact that he actually like, shoots pretty poorly on, on shots at the rim. There's just, there's no real comparison, I think, for what this is. And I think once he starts playing more normal minutes or the Simmons comes back and the team gets a little bit more normal, then maybe we can start to wrap our heads around a, what he can be. But I think he certainly has a, a ton of potential on this list. So you'd say Giannis, who would your number two be then? Then I think Wiggins. Yeah, ahead of Porzingis. Yeah, I think so. I I think his what what he does is more likely to translate to Hall of Fame accolades than what. Well, but what about just who who do we think is going to deserve it instead of just like oh he scores a bunch of points and he's going to be on a good team because he has Carl Towns on his team. I still probably would say Wiggins, uh, although at that point I might drop him behind a healthy Embiid. Yeah, I think so. And would you agree though that all the people on this list you think have at least an outside chance, a decent chance? chance yeah i mean i think to me jabari is probably the lowest on this list just because of the fact that you know his his expected value might even be better than ben simmons at this point but simmons the the possibilities are wider because of his youth um so parker is the hardest one for me to see but i I still think he's got a chance at it yeah i I think so too and i've just i really liked what i've seen from him the fact that he lost a year with the acl you could say all right that lowers the ceiling or you can say hey maybe he can be even better because of that but yeah both he and Wiggins just have to get better in the floor game to really get to where like they're impacting winning as much as, as they're scoring. Um, so then I had this list of guys uh, that I viewed as longer shots. One of them doesn't quite fit in there, but I didn't know where else to put him. D'Angelo Russell, Devin Booker, Zach Levine, CJ McCollum, and Brandon Ingram. Um, 
any of those that you would put into the higher category or any of those that you don't even think would have any shot at all? I think those are all probably right about right. I, I don't think any of them has shown enough yet to go into that category with the other guys. You know, uh, Booker, I think, is the one that probably will get the most criticism from people because of the fact that they look at, you know, the the prodigious per game stats he's putting up at a, an extremely young age, but the advanced stats have never been quite so kind. He's not shot well from three-point range since the all-star break of last year when he moved into this kind of featured role in the Phoenix offense. And uh, then his, you consider his defensive limitations. I, I still think, you know, again, there's a wide variety of outcomes for him, some of which would include all-star, but less, you know, I think it's less likely than with guys on the first list. If CJ McCollum were like two years younger, I might be more bullish on his chances because he's probably going to just average 20 a game for the next like four or five years unless he has some injury problems. Yeah, I mean, I think he's one of those guys who's going to get into like the, the maybe the, you know, 17, 18,000, maybe 19,000 career points but not have probably enough all-star appearances or playoff impact to really be a Hall of Famer. Like the person I'm thinking of in my head with him is uh, Jason Terry. Oh, yeah, that's a good comparison for him. I think that's, I can't remember whether that was ever made at, at draft time, but uh, yeah, I think that's a pretty good one. And then same thing with Ingram too. I don't know that he's going to be that good uh, with the ball in his hands. We'll see. I, I I wouldn't foreclose it on any of these guys. Were there any, is there anyone else? I mean, this is basically the end of our list now. Anyone else do you think deserves any thought of consideration among players who are already in the league right now uh do do denver centers deserve any consideration if they ever get split up and uh and stop destroying each other's statistics you know it's funny i i looked at denver and i was like no there's no one on this team that i'm willing to to consider yet uh and no i don't i don't think so i think that just like Jokic. Yeah, it's, it, I, I've not liked the way that they've used him so far this year. He hasn't gotten enough minutes at center. That's where he thrived last year. That's where he can really, I mean, he's their best offensive big man, and they're playing him with the four and killing it, uh, killing what he can bring at the center position. But I, I just don't think he's going to be good enough defensively as a center to, for me to, to ever get there with him. I just don't see the physical upside quite uh, from him. But do you disagree with that? No, I just don't know that that's necessary. Like, again, you know, the upside for him is he could easily have Marcus Hull's career, except coming to the league at a much, much younger age. So that, I think, is what potentially... Yeah, you know, maybe if... Like, and also, if you throw in that, like, he's going to be the starting center on Serbia for the next 10 years, and maybe Serbia wins some Euro baskets, or they make it again to some gold medal games, that's actually maybe a reason why you could see him getting there. Uh, but, yeah, it hasn't been an encouraging start to this season for him not because i don't think he's any good anymore it's just that i've not been happy about the way they've been using him uh someone else who has been misused so far this season who i think maybe belongs in this group aaron gordon (laughs) well actually yeah I, i don't know you could say well he needs to just learn how to play at the three probably not off the bench behind Jeff Green, but he needs to develop those skills to potentially reach his ceiling. I'm surprised that they're doing it that way because this is supposed to be a season where the Magic are like really trying to win. But I don't know, we're we're probably getting a little bit too much into present day issues. I just don't think he's ever going to quite have the ball skills that that were needed. I mean, how does he, Sean Marion, I think came out as like a junior. So he's, and he was really young. So I guess if you want to 
kind of compare it like we think probably the most uh realistic path is something along the lines like what sean marion did and i think he still has another year to go before he would have been like at sean marion's rookie year so maybe we're it's too early to say for him and he is really athletic but uh i don't know i i, I mean lack of faith in the organization is maybe another reason to <laughs> discount there that, that is a, a good reason but if, if we're going to go long shots i think he belongs in long shots and then the other name that i was wondering about uh, among young players is 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 it already too late to mention bradley beal yeah i think so especially with the health concerns and the fact that i don't think the wizards have that much of a future either to where he's going to have the team success probably he just doesn't quite have the juice for me and maybe if he's not going to be averaging 20 a game and, and being efficient um yeah i i think it's it's not i mean i'm not gonna say it's impossible but low enough that i didn't think he was necessarily worth talking about it do you see it that way or well, surprisingly uh, he- because it was surprisingly because of his playoff success by the uh the championships added method uh he scored as a 27 percent chance of making the hall of fame so that's that's what brought him up in my mind yeah uh, unfortunately it doesn't look like any of that is uh in the offing in the near future again because they're, they're not even on track to make the playoffs unfortunately yeah uh one uh, the other odd name he, he has nothing to do with this group but the other guy who scored with a better than 20 percent chance of making the hall of fame who we did not mention at all in this conversation was greg monroe which i think is probably just a uh a, a fluke of his warp being uh greater than his on-court value you got time to spend like 10 minutes on coaches okay yeah all right greg popovich is a lock yep i don't see anyone else who's currently coaching the league yet as a lock uh but maybe i am being too harsh on rick carlisle and doc rivers yeah i mean carlisle's reputation is so strong and you know rivers uh, i think doc is going to have been involved especially if this clippers team could get through to the conference finals and give him you know a second team that had really been a, a legitimate championship contender those guys probably do eventually make it but you're you're right that there's no one who's like an incredibly obvious hall of famer left uh, among coaches besides pop well don nelson obviously he was had a ton of longevity but i think that for compared to someone like him carlisle and rivers have both been better coaches than don nelson and rick carlisle has been coaching 50 win teams basically since what 0102 was that his first year in detroit and then you know he's dropped a little bit below that level but uh these last couple of years and then rivers has been coaching 50 win teams since basically for almost a decade now uh himself well i mean i think in what makes this hard He's having a championship. I think what makes this hard to compare is like Nelly's theoretically his best years as a coach were probably with the eighties Milwaukee Bucks, who yeah. somewhat similarly were, you know, consistently in contention in the Eastern Conference. And we got more exposure to him in the, the decline phase of his coaching career. <laughs> the post time. Yeah. Uh, and then the other guy I would have on this list of, of kind of the old vets, uh, Mike D'Antoni. Yeah, if you want to talk about credit in terms of influence and revolutionizing the game, then he certainly belongs on that list. And he also actually was a wonderful international player and coach for a long time as well, something that might give him a little bit of credit. If we're talking about him just as a coach, and he's really only had, I think, you know, he had four 50-win seasons in Phoenix, uh, one number one seed, one or, or two conference no actually only one no two conference finals appearances and then you know pretty what you would have to characterize as disappointing stints in new york and la 
We'll see how it goes here with the Rockets. He's also now in his mid-60s, so this will probably be his last big job. Uh, yeah, I think just based on what his record is, he wouldn't have to get in there. But if you throw in the playing and also just the fact that he really is a lot of, in a lot of ways the father of the modern spread pick and roll game, then maybe you might have to say he gets in there. But it's almost more as a contributor even than as a just a great coach. You know what's interesting? So Pop is the only active coach with multiple Coach of the Year awards. Hmm. Also, do you want to know the... I I want to read out the list of coaches of the year for a stretch of time here. Oh, here we go. This is going to be great. Can we start with 06, 07 and Sam Mitchell? Or do I, was we need to- start, I was going to start with Avery Johnson in 2005, 06, when the Mavericks were a legitimately great team. But that's another one that no longer has, that hasn't aged as well. Uh, Avery Johnson, 2006, 07, Sam Mitchell, 2007, 08, Byron Scott, 2008, 09, Mike Brown, 2009, 10, Scott Brooks. Yeah. All of those guys did pretty good jobs that year, you know, I, I, the, that they got it. I mean, and, uh, you know, Sam Mitchell was a, was a little questionable, uh, but a, a lot of those teams were just not expected to do anything. And they were pretty good. I mean, that Byron Scott, like that team was the number two seed in the West, like could have got to the West Finals. They came absolutely completely out of nowhere that year. They defended pretty well, which you wouldn't have expected based on where they were coming from. Uh, like Mike Brown, the Cavs just came completely out of nowhere. They won 66 games. They, they defended really well, too based on just what they did in that regular season it's it's hard to argue with them like not deserving it for that regular season but of course in hindsight you wouldn't have said that hey this guy is the best coach but that's the thing about coach of the year is it's like it's not going to change as often as a player like how good of a coach you are you're is much more static than it is just you know a player because you're constantly getting hurt or aging or players are improving much more than coaches are i think it does suggest though that maybe we should look a little more askance at someone who has success on their first coaching job and then you know let's see whether they can repeat it elsewhere yeah i I totally agree with that and and my personal philosophy and i think danny's too is i just all right i just vote i mean i don't have a vote but when we do our awards podcast on just who I think is the best coach in the league and Steve Kerr and Greg Popovich have been uh, the ones that I have gone for the two years that I've been doing the show. Yep. Uh, So I had the three other coaches that have won championships so far in this next list, Steve Kerr, Eric Spolstra, Ty Lue, and could Spolstra, is it possible that he's just in already? I mean, what, four consecutive finals appearances? I don't know. I mean, it's so nebulous what actually gets a coach in, an NBA coach in particular. Yeah. And, and you have to imagine that he's going to have that job in Miami for, I mean, at least until Pat Riley is done there. Um, now, they don't look like they're on the path to doing anything any, anytime soon. But And then if he moves on from there, he's going to have a, another job that'll be pretty good, if not premium. Uh, I could just, the only way I'd see him not getting it is if people decide, well, he was just an artifact of Dwayne Wade getting LeBron and Chris Bosh to come there and anybody could have coached that team, which to some respects, I, I feel like they did take basically almost two full seasons to start playing optimally, which was a, a little bit of a concern. I thought part of that was... Uh, some bad signings part of it was some bad injury luck with Haslam and Miller but also if it, it was him not embracing playing small nearly as early as he should have yeah I mean it's tough to say because now it seems so obvious that they should have done it but you know I, I think there was a lot of coaches who would not have done that at that point no I agree I, I think that's probably right uh Mike D'Antoni is not among them but yeah, yeah. and also just LeBron probably didn't want to play the four there's, there's a lot sure. they didn't really have the personnel to play someone else at the four who was more kind of combo-y and had some range other than LeBron all, all those things I get I, I mean do you think just when you're thinking about him do you think he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame 
I mean, it's, it still feels to me like he's an extremely young coach, even though he's accomplished what he has. Sure. So that's what makes it hard for me to say. Yeah, but like, I mean, I guess, is there a time where you would have said this guy is a top five coach in the league? Yeah, possibly. I mean, I think certainly a top 10 coach. Yeah, I don't know that he's ever been in the discussion for being the best. Yeah. What about Kerr? Kerr, I think you could make a stronger case in terms of him potentially being the best, especially that first season when he took over the Warriors. I like that yeah, they just I just finished the second season where they won 73 games. Yeah, and he has a, a coach of the year to his credit. And Ty Lu, I think we haven't quite seen an, a, enough from him yet to, to even really, you know, he hasn't even coached one full season yet, but he's got to be on that list because, I mean, I think there can't be that many coaches that have won championships that aren't in the Hall of Fame. Maybe I'm just not thinking right, at least in terms of like the era that I been following the league since like you know 1985 let's see here i mean they've been dominated by so few coaches that you know really i don't know is tom jonovich i don't think is is he uh no that's true he is not in there yeah and maybe you could kind of put spolstra in that category a little bit although he's gonna have a longer run than rudy did yeah but any and i think also spolstra really has never done anything i guess they got to the second round last year but hasn't really had any kind of contention without lebron james on his team which also could end up being a knock against him right yeah, I mean, it just gets back to he's still got a long time left to coach, and we'll know a lot more about him in 20 years. Yeah, I had a few other guys on this list as maybe some potential. Brad Stevens, I would probably put at the top of it just because I think Boston is going to have like a lot of team success just with all the assets that they have and the Cavs getting a little bit older, no clear rising power in the East. I could see them making just, uh, I think we kind of thought of them as the favorites to make the conference finals even this year. And and they would, I mean, if you had to pick the team that's going to win the most games in the East over the next like maybe seven years, Boston would probably be your pick. Yep. Uh, And then Mike Budenholzer, he's a little older, uh, had sort of that long long apprenticeship in san antonio i don't see them getting any championships uh tom thibodeau would probably be the other one on this list that i would look at as maybe having a chance coach of the year in 2011 and then he now you know was had that bulls team wrecked by the rose injury but was considered probably a top five coach in the league all during that time and now uh, with the wolves if they fulfill the potential that we all think that they have uh, he could start to build that type of a resume but he's also a little bit older too which it works against him but could easily be someone who wins that second coach of the year award yeah anyone else that you think is we can even be talking about realistically besides those guys i think stan van gundy would be the other one in terms of the potential to have you know a second great run uh let's see he he never won coach of the year when he was in orlando uh during that stretch and and he's made uh he's made three conference finals already as a coach and one nba finals yeah so if he if he gets detroit to that level which i think would be a, a bit of a surprise then in that case i could see him start to get in that conversation yeah he's another guy though who's a little bit older kind of got a later start uh than some of the you know a guy like spolstra did uh even kerr is he's in his 50s already too so it's hard to see him coaching for much more than 15 years and if you don't if you only coach for like 10 or less years you better won a lot of championships or you're just not going to get the raw win total to really get consideration i don't think yeah kerr in his case i feel like he's got enough else going on in his life he could go back to broadcasting uh you know all sorts of things spend more time with his family so i wouldn't be stunned if he didn't coach for that long all right we're done here I think we've about covered it. <laughs> Anything that we haven't talked about, the, uh, we haven't talked yeah. about the Hall of Fame potential of guys who are currently in high school or the 2017 draft class. But uh, <laughs> I guess we could leave that for another day. Yeah, or I mean, sometime we'll have to do 
all the guys who are retired who should be yeah. in that aren't or 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 shouldn't be in but yeah i, I think th- this was fun i was surprised how much we agreed actually uh on some of these I, I don't think we even had like much in the way of vehement disagreement which is uh it's a little disturbing we're gonna have to find someone else to come in here with completely opposing views to to muck this thing up <laughs> Well, I'm sure part of the problem is that whenever you write something about history, I read it and probably uh, take it as gospel. So which as I should, because you uh, you put more work in on, on these subjects probably than just about anybody. Um, all right. I think that that's it for now. You can follow Kevin on Twitter at K Pelton. Follow me on Twitter at Nate Duncan NBA. <laughs> oh, wow. Thank you, Kevin Pelton, for bringing up Nikola Jokic or should I say Denver Centers? It's uh, It was a time when Jokic hadn't really separated himself that much from Yusuf Nurkic, so obviously Jokic drew the most attention in that discussion. A lot of Andre Drummond talk, a lot more than I would have expected, uh, but that that is where he stood at the time. I checked on this. I could only find two players who were in the league then who did not come up that I heard in the podcast, who probably deserve at least a little discussion, at least in hindsight. One is Rudy Gobert. It took him a little while to find his footing. No surprise there. Probably just based on hindsight, if we had looked back a year ago, it would have been funnier not to include Gobert now at this time. Eh, Seems a little more forgivable. The other one is Chris Middleton, who had already uh, done an impressive job of emerging as a good starter in Milwaukee after being a Pistons second-round pick. Uh, but to become the multi-time all-star he he did, to, to give himself a fringe Hall of Fame chance, uh, depending on where he goes the rest of his career, how the Bucks do from here, however, how whatever team he's on in the, in the next years does from here, uh, he probably deserved a little bit of a mention. But no surprise, neither of those players were mentioned. I, I thought uh, Nate... And uh, Kevin did a, a great job of assessing this based on what they could tell at the time. But it was just fun to look back. And we're going to have one more of these flashback episodes for you early next week uh, before we get back to regularly scheduled programming. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.